hey, there's a show you might want to know about. Now in its tenth season, Wrongful Conviction with Jason Flom is a podcast about tragedy, triumph, unequal justice, and actual innocence. Based on the files of the lawyers who represent them, together with other criminal justice activists and experts, Wrongful Conviction with Jason Flom features interviews with men and women who have spent years in prison for crimes they did not commit, some of them having even been sentenced to death. These are their stories. Look for Wrongful Conviction wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's say you have an idea, something you think will make things better for some other people. But then the thing you're offering, or what seems like the most substantial, do-good part of what you're offering, is just not something those other people want. At all. Then again, maybe some part of your gift that you didn't think of as the most important, most gifty part, that may be just what's needed. I'm John Bewin. I've got a pair of pieces this time, both made here in North Carolina by students in one of our intensive summer courses at the Center for Documentary Studies. Our summer classes are basically radio boot camp for grown-ups. People come to Durham, they record interviews and sound, they learn, they make a piece in a week, and they leave here with skills to make the next one. In each of these stories here in episode 10, someone sets out to give a gift involving music. Jenna Horgan is a music therapist here in Raleigh-Durham. Last summer she did a pilot project through a small nonprofit called Student Action with Farm Workers, or SAF. Full disclosure, SAF is a close friend of this place where I work, CDS. In fact, SAF is housed in the CDS building. Student Action with Farm Workers trains young people as advocates and works in various ways to make life better for the many farm workers who labor in North Carolina. Most farm workers in this state are Mexican men, here alone, away from their families, just working. Here's Jenna. They wake up, often at 5 a.m., they get in a bus, they go work in the fields, usually tobacco or sweet potatoes, they get back at 6.30 or 7 p.m., they eat dinner, they go to bed, and it starts over. They don't have transportation, they can't leave. So, in a way, they're very, very trapped in this cycle. As I said, Jenna is a therapist. She wanted to help. And she thought music could be a way in. I drive every Tuesday night from Raleigh, so it takes about an hour. And I really love the drive. I love um, seeing the farmland and watching the sun setting. I arrive and there are 30 Mexican men staring at me. Um, they're all washing their clothes or eating or drinking beer. I get out of my car and bring a few guitars over to the table and say, Buenas tardes, como están? 
Um, and I just sit and talk with them for a while. It usually takes over an hour for them to be ready to play and um, sing. The farm workers, they just look worn from having worked all day and and they get tanner every time I see them. <laughs> Many of them haven't even showered yet, yet they they show up. They'll shower after, of course. We work on a new song every week. They tell me what to bring. <laughs> they give me a list and I look up the songs and choose one. So that's Oscar. He was retranslating my explanation of how to change chords. My Spanish is, you know, it's in progress. Well, when I started planning this weekly music therapy group, my intention was really to use music as a tool um, to discuss tough things with farm workers, to process things, really to counsel them. Some of them are alcoholics, some of them are depressed, all of them miss home. Um, but what I quickly realized is that when I met the, the farm workers, I obviously realized that they weren't excited about a discussion group, they just wanted to play. They wanted to play music. So we started making music together. Miguel says, it passes the time, so our work contract doesn't seem so long and so difficult. Edgar says, our work is very hard. We're in the sun all day and stressed out. So your thoughts will be work, work, only work. Taking music classes is an escape. It relaxes our body. And more than anything, it has Más us learning. Y contentos unos. It makes us happy, gets us ready to start a new day. Igual para comenzar otro día. I think being away from home is difficult for anyone. And they're not only away from home, they're away from their culture and their language. This music project I don't know, for me, I think it's created a sense of community. I hope that this experience has also created a sense of community for the workers, um, really like a home away from home. And sometimes, I don't know, I think it's just an excuse to laugh and be silly. Hola, mi amor. Hello, my love. I know that you changed your phone number. And I know that you even changed your hair color. Because you're beginning a new life without me. You know, love, I hope that you find happiness like I had dreamed I would give you. I did not succeed. Forgive me. 
sé que te marchaste sin saber, sin escuchar, sin comprender que hay una daga envenenada aquí en mi pecho. El mal está hecho, sé que no merezco tu perdón, que lastimé tu corazón. Hoy me avergüenzo, fui el motivo de tu llanto. Queriéndote tanto, pues te amo. I love you. Te amo. I love you. I'm an idiot. I lost you. But I love you. Te amo. Te amo. Soy un idiota. Te perdí. Pero te amo. Si vinieran diario, diario cantaba yo. Jesús says he likes to sing very much. If I came here every day, he would sing every day. <laughs> One day, I arrived at the camp, and Tomas was holding a little ukulele-sized guitar. I was really surprised, because farm workers don't make much money. This is a really big deal. I asked him, how much did you pay for that? And he said, I got it for $40 at Walmart. The group kind of chuckled, but I was really touched. ¿Por qué compraste la guitarra? I asked him why he bought the guitar. Para mi hija. He said, it's for my daughter. Para, Para que ella aprenda. Mm -hmm. Y como allá no hay muchos maestros de, de guitarra, tan siquiera quiero aprender algo para enseñarle, mm -hmm. para que empiece ella. Since there are not many guitar teachers, I want to learn something to teach my daughter. I'll have the basics so she can begin learning too. Tomas is really quiet and reserved. He's always just kind of in the back of the group. Until this night, I didn't even know that he had a daughter. We all agree he's a good dad. Buen papá, buen papá. Había una rancherita que alegre me decía, que alegre me decía. Jenna Horgan produced a version of that piece last summer at our Hearing is Believing course here in Durham, North Carolina. Our next short doc was produced the same week, another first-time audio piece, this one by Ashley Brown. Ashley went out to interview Stephen Judge, who owns School Kids Records. It has stores in Raleigh and Durham. Stephen Judge told Ashley a story about a time when his ability to find a record for someone meant everything. School Kids has been around for 41 years. First thing when you walk in the door is, is all the vinyl LPs. There's just stuff everywhere. Cool posters from different shows from seeing Nirvana, The Cat's Cradle. Or there's all kinds of history of ticket stubs and stuff like that from all over the years. 
Like there's stickers that are they're faded. They're so old. So it kind of looks like a wall of art. Record stores are community centers, really. I mean, it's an experience. I started working here in 1990s. I realized long ago that record stores are not just places that I'm passionate about. They meant a lot to me growing up. They're, they, they mean a lot to a lot of people. One story I'll never forget was in 1995, I had this, uh, this, this woman come in with her mother it was somewhat elderly, and uh, they were looking for this Willie Nelson record, and they said they've been having a hard time finding it. And she's like, I heard you guys can get anything. And I was like, well, as long as it's still in print, yeah. And it's a little bit different dealing with us than it is dealing with maybe a chain where you've got somebody who just happens to be walking through the department, and you grab them and say, hey, can you get this Willie Nelson record? They don't even know how to how to even go through the process, and they're sending it to their corporate headquarters, and then... There's so many hoops to jump through by the time it actually gets anywhere, it's probably been lost. And there's no direct one-on-one -on -one line between the customer and that at those kind of levels. But for us, there is, because I'm literally looking it up right in the database. You know, now, with technology, I can go right onto distributor site and see where they have it in stock. Back then, it was more like books that we had to flip through. And so I started looking it up, and I was like, well, it's still listed here. And I ordered one, and it came, the very next day, came in. They were so excited that... They came in and ordered like four or five more copies for the whole family. And I got the story behind it, which was that the husband of the woman was very, very sick and basically in hospice care at this point at home. And it was his favorite record. He loved it. They wanted to surprise him and play it for him. And so I guess he wouldn't even get out of bed. Like he was so sick, he couldn't even walk. And was very depressed because he knew his days were numbered, I guess. So they had the whole family over and uh, they put it on the player. It was the time of the preacher When the story began Of the choice of a lady Love of a man. And he was sitting in the other room and he said he perked right up and he got up and I don't know if he had like a cane or something, that's how I picture it, you know, got up and like stumbled into the other room and went and sat in his little uh his little recliner or like Archie Bunkle style and just sat there. She left me and he cried like a baby. He said he just sat there and listened to the whole thing, just smiled. And they were like, it was just an amazing experience. The whole family was crying, and I was just like, wow. And he saddled his pony. He went for a ride. And then, I guess he passed away not long after that. And his, his widow came in and just gave me the biggest hug for this great moment that their family had because I was able to track that record down. And that was when I sat back and I said, that reminded me of why I do this. That's exactly why I do this. And the lessons begun.
That piece was by Ashley Brown, produced here at CDS. Not to be confused with CBS or CVS. A shout out to Shay Shackelford, who helps to teach our summer courses and worked with both Ashley and Jenna. And our whole continuing ed team, led by April Walton and Mark Maximoff. In our next episode, another pair of pieces by so-called students. But never mind that, they're really good. The theme, death. You, you don't, you, you don't go anywhere. You just like, you have nothing. You have nothing in your mind. You don't even have a, you can't think anything. You just basically have no feeling and you don't go anywhere except to the ground. My friends Casey and Laura and I have been talking for a while about spending the night in Holt Cemetery. I think it would be the most terrifying thing to ever happen, Casey said. Yeah, totally. We should do it, I said. The dead can't do you nothing. Next time. If you're enjoying Scene on Radio, please think about going to the iTunes store and giving us a rating and a quick review. It really helps other people find us, and thank you. I'm on Twitter at Scene on Radio. Please like our Facebook page. The website is sceneonradio.org. The show comes from the Center for Documentary Studies at Duke University. <laughs>